All right, so strawberry, raspberry. Um, I got apricot. Is that technically a marmalade? They got apple. Apple jam? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you did. You like... never had apple jam, dude? That shit's delicious. Admittedly, oh, really? I think right. my okay. favorite. My favorite's probably. Well, I've heard of orange marmalade, but never orange jam. Hmm. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Yeah, a marmalade. What? I think the distinction is if it's like a citrus fruit, it's a marmalade. Okay. Right? Okay. okay. Then what? Then what is this orange-colored jam that we got here? Oh, oh, that 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 is that's melon's Halloween jam turned oh, into jam in right. jam form, or or as you as you say, jelly. I guess unless there's a distinction there as well that I don't know. Yes. Is there a distinction, or is it just? Um, I think jelly is a bit thicker. Is my understanding, but honestly, I I usually just go with butter. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. That doesn't work as a segue, really. So yes, um, <laughs> the first of uh, what will hopefully be many uh, unknown armies Halloween jams uh, yep. concluded. Halloween jellies. Not too long ago, and we wanted to go with the entries because we were fond of them. As you mentioned before, Tormson, mm-hmm. uh, this was organized by a friend of the show, Melon. That's right. Who, as he tends to do for these sorts of things, also submitted a third of the entries. That well, yeah. Well, how many was it? Was it was six? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't a third. Um, six and a half. Six and a half. He did six and a half out of twenty. Okay. So that's almost exactly a third. Jesus, you're right. Um, okay. <laughs> he 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 got thirty three point three percent of it. There you go. Not, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Real close. Real close. Yep. If there was one other co-author uh, on this scenario that he did with uh, Kate, then oh yeah, true. Then it would have been uh, exactly thirty-three point three percent. That is true. But yeah, there's about twenty entries here. The terms of the jam were: it can be no longer than one thousand two hundred thirty-three words, mm-hmm. including stat blocks. People submitted GMCs, cabals, artifacts, locations, rituals, unnatural phenomena, mm-hmm. scenarios, and the prompts. Because uh, for those of you not, who aren't really used to this style of game jam, mm-hmm. uh, basically is a way of spurring on those creative juices. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you always got to spur your juices. That's right. Um, I keep my juices pre-spurred. Mm-hmm. I keep them in the stable, because otherwise it's not safe for those around me. That's right. There is one of six entries that you need to use. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to use at least one of six. But you can use more yeah, if you sure. want. There's one entry here that uses, like, five of them. So, the prompts were Authentic Thaumaturgy, Halloween, Mundane GMCs slash Cabals with no magic powers, Non-American Occult Underground, Starts with a U and Ends with a T, and subway systems. That's and Tormson, you even submitted. I did. Entry, did you not? I, I submitted. Although my my link to the prompt is is, is fairly um vague, but it was my idea came about due to like when I when I'm presented with like a, a jam like this and there's like a series yeah. of prompts, I'll, I'll I'll sort of mess with my brain. I'll be like, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll Put these in a randomizer and see all the different combinations and see if I that logi- dislodges sure. something, or I'll start reading Wikipedia articles on 
on things. And I think I was reading the Wikipedia article on Halloween, and that led me to All Saints Day, and that gave me the idea for mine. Um, so I think that's that's good enough. And there was I did end up linking it to Halloween uh, in the end. Um, but yeah, sometimes that's just how it be with these. The prompts, some of them were used kind of dubiously, like uh, starts with the U, ends with the T. I'd say it was the big one there, where you had many, you had a, you had a few entries that one word amongst them, amongst the title, started with a U and ended with a T, which it fits. I don't think counts. It counts. It counts. I say it counts because nah, that's, that's the in my in my personal in my in my personal uh, scoring system. Right. Uh, I would dock each of said entries that I felt didn't really fit the prompts that they stated uh, minus one point. But it did fit the prompt. It just now didn't fit, fit the prompt thematically enough for, for your yes. your rarefied tastes. Yes, precisely. Uh, precisely. I have very refined tastes. That's why I was uh, hired on as a uncompensated volunteer reviewer mm. uh, alongside other friends of the show, Stuart and Zomner. And... Keep in mind, my scoring uh, rubric is not numerical, but I still subtracted one from them. Oh, right. Okay. Just yeah, you, yeah. you only subtract. There's no adding. There's just subtraction. No, there were. The, I, I gave uh, Cleo a bonus point for Urs and Shaft because he actually used like five out of six of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He that that that. I think that's fair. If he's using five out of six, yeah. wait a minute. One, two, three, four. Yeah, what, 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 what did you miss? Oh, not uh, mundane, mundane, um, yeah, non-magical. Mundane okay, DMT. fair enough. Yeah, that's that. It would be. Which, uh, to be fair, the guy wasn't even that. He he has a ritual. No, say he sorry. He doesn't even have a ritual. There, there's like ritual related to him. So arguably, arguably, he might even have a, a full sexer, but it wasn't submitted as such. Therefore, mm. I did not. Uh, I did not give that to him, but five out of six was enough. Yeah, okay. So yeah, these I was honestly pretty pleased with the turnout this year. You know, yeah, the turnout for, was very good. You know, I, I think the com- the natural comparison that we would both reach towards would be like the Delta Green Shotgun Scenario Contest, right? Yeah, and you can see like it was I was very familiar to me the the Halloween Jam yes. document. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I know what this is, and this is something that I thought. Um, would be good to have for a while um, on the um, Ananami's uh, disky and such because sure. um, we did used to have like that sort of um, vessel for like creativity in the form of the old John Tyne site, which does exist in a new form and you can post to it, but it's, people don't do it as much because I don't think people yeah. check it yeah, as it's much. It's not as active. It's not as active, so you don't get as many you're not going to get responses necessarily so I think that like um, yeah it puts people off a bit and the community's always been small and these days sort of the center of discussion for it has moved towards well the discord and I don't know my understanding is there's a pretty strong abiding fan base for the game there is an yeah. RPG net yeah but but RPG net is, is, is dark and full of terrors so I'm scared of RPG yes. net yeah uh, <laughs> So you got 20 submissions, um, mm-hmm. a good spread of stuff, I'd say, yeah. you know, it definitely leaned towards rituals and DMPCs, GMCs, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Well, yeah, one of the prompts is authentic thaumaturgy, 
You're going to expect to get a bunch of rituals. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But, um, you know, we got a few short scenarios in there. We yep. got some natural phenomena. Yep. We got an avatar. That's, yep, that was exciting. Uh, I think we should go through these. Uh, there's a list. There's a numbered list. I think we should go. Do we want to just go through each of them beat by beat? I mean, that'll probably be the easiest. Otherwise, it'll get messy and we'll miss things. Sure. All right. So we start off with the, with the three punches of um, uh, Melon's example submissions. Yes. Um, so the first one being Four of Chimneys, which is a weekly card game, a poker betting or tarot card game um, location with a bunch of uh, example NPCs, um, both the event staff and... Uh, like the players, which this is technically a um, non-magical cabal, is the people running it are not wizards of any kind. They're just uh, gambling. Like, what's the word for? It? They're like a little mini, like uh, illegal casino sort of thing. Even that's a bit much. I mean, like a, a sure, like a, a backroom poker game. Yeah, yeah, basically illegal. You know, it's not necessarily illegal gambling. It's just mm, depending on the your jurisdiction. Yeah, depending on what you set your campaign, I suppose. Um, I liked Four Chimneys well enough. I thought it had some fun sample characters. Uh, mm-hmm. I did think it was missing a couple things. One of the big ones was like, all right, what are some ideas for how do you hear about the game in the first place? Well, to me, like, it seems like something that for a GM you could easily put on the the corkboard if you wanted. Like, there's some examples of ways to use it. Yeah, like, but like the way activities. the players, the, like how, how do like the way the players get involved and whatnot. Like the, the, there are some examples given. Like, hey, one of the NPCs involved, you get you get to know them and they bring you in. I, I guess like why does a person in the occult underground want to get involved in one of these sorts of games? Especially since you know in third digit, third edition, money doesn't actually matter. It matters as much as your GM wants to enforce it mattering. It matters if it's thematic to matter. Sure, I guess. There's not really any mechanical scaffolding for that. It's like... Sure. I know, like, I think that's something that's pretty heavily missing from 3rd edition, because, you know, Unknown Armies draws heavily from neo-noir and other crime stories, and Mm. the briefcase full of cash, just needing to get money, is one of the biggest fucking motivations... For that whole genre, so I can't mm. help but think that, hey, maybe this game needs some way of handling this. But, you know, we can... You know, I don't want to go into that too much. Some acquisition rules. I mean, you could adapt the Delta Green rules pretty easily. Um, yeah, I think it... Roll, roll isolation for spending this much money all at once or whatever. Well, no, I think it, that's like a great, something that's a great idea. Like you should be able to like damage your relationships by borrowing money from them. That's that's what happens. That's, in Delta great. that's what can happen in Delta Green and the acquisition. Rule. Yeah, but you know the the penalty there is bonds, but also Delta Green has like requisitions. The big thing you're losing there is time. Yeah. Which is a lot more relevant to your average sort of Delta Green mm. uh, campaign than it is cool. your average Unknown Armies campaign. The other thing I couldn't help but thinking when I was reading Fortunes was like, man, it would be nice to have like a a way of quickly resolving poker games within the rule set without, you know, full on busting out the cards and the chips like the write up suggests. I mean, that's fun too. That could be fun. I mean, or. Sure, sure. But, you know, it's a question of like. 
If you do and bust out the cards and chips, like, okay, this is just the entire fucking session, I guess. It's like, it's it's this card gag. But if you want to be like, okay, I want to get involved with this game and, you know, try to win a little bit, how can that be resolved in, you know, a couple dice rolls? And maybe uh, just set up a gridiron, a gridiron sort of thing, maybe. That's a good idea, yeah, using the gridiron. Um, although it makes it harder because a gridiron... Could is you, would it be possible to have a, like... Four-way gridiron? Maybe. Well, that's what I'm thinking. It would be more difficult to do that. And it also have to be a gridiron. That requires like a g- literal grid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That oh my god. We've, much, we've, got, we've got six players. We have to go 3D on this fucking... I think that... Yeah, some there, there's probably a way to do it. Um, you'd also have to bring in the fact that like you'd lose parts of the grid as people be like, I fold. Um, so it might... Yeah, like, that's a straightforward way of handling it, but there has to be a better way that's maybe just a lot more player-centric. Uh, yeah. To roll lie. To bluff. Honestly, not... <laughs> that's not a bad way of handling it. Yeah. Do, like, a... I know, like, a, a gridiron of lie versus... Versus lie, because... The pers- other person playing with the highest lie? Maybe, but there's... Yeah... That might be a bit over that. Yeah, it might be the best way to do it. It's a bit simple. Um, you'd still have to roll on it, I think, because just because someone's got a high lie doesn't mean they're going to succeed at their lie every time. Oh, uh, sure, sure. Exactly. That's the, I mean, the grid iron is for that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's a fun idea. I mean, I Melon tends to bring in a lot of that sort of crime genre shit into UA and I appreciate it because yeah. that's also why I tend to like the game is the way it blends urban fantasy and crime stories there is an argument that like I know it's a bit of a there's an argument to be made that like the older editions leaned more heavily into that at least um, that's the impression people got from the, I, I the think th- I would make that same argument hmm. the sort of perception I got and talking to Greg only uh, really uh, solidified this for me was that Earlier editions focused more on, like, crime stories where mm. uh, the third edition is more kind of about, like, for lack of a better word, like, activist stories? Yeah. But that's not really, like, a genre very it, much. It, it could be. It could be. Um, yeah, but, know. like, you know, you don't see you don't see much of that stuff in, like, media, I guess. There aren't a whole lot of movies or TV shows. And Unknown Armies has always felt very sort of informed by film, like, in the language of film. That's true. There's not as many like Hollywood isn't bankrolling the uh, the activist hero movies as much for potentially uh, obvious reasons. Um, but there, those stories exist and they're worth telling. And I know that that aspect has attracted uh, some people to the new edition that would have been less interested in the old one. Well, and there's definitely overlap there too, right? Like just look at the history of unions and the mid 20th century of the united states oh and um unions and organized crime because no one else would yeah protect the union from yep. the cops and all that yep exactly exactly so picketons and shit yeah you know two great tastes that go good together hmm. and you know from what greg said he's like man i wanted to write a game that was maybe felt a bit more pro-social sure which, like i get no i get it too there's, there's room for both and it there is seems like both. the kind of fan content has been picking up the slack of like okay people that prefer the second and first edition where it leaned a bit more into crime genre sort of shit yeah sure more noir and that is 
That is valid, folks. All right, what we got next? We got the Greggs and the Graveyard. Now, I like this one. Uh, this this gave off some serious uh, Cornetto trilogy vibes to me, like Edgar sure, Wright. Sure, sure. Um, from the character descriptions and, like, you know, the setting, uh, which is good for a... Well, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm no Brit, but as an Australian, I am, I'm, a, I'm a bit Brit. As a, a piece of uh, material written by an American... I thought I'm like yeah this is this is kind of this is good some good British setting sure, stuff sure. Uh, I enjoyed it um, it seems the sense that I got from reading this one was that Bell was having a lot more fun writing the Travel Lodge and the Barrow Gang than the Gregs and the Shell maybe and he he just included a fuck ton of characters mm. without really fleshing out them enough for my taste perhaps like but when you have that this many. Um, sometimes just two sentences is all you need. Uh, if you're going to have like a lot of Well, characters. and I think that can be done. Yeah. I think that can be done. There's a, about like three things I need for a role-playing game character, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for like a, a GMPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need an interesting personality, mm-hmm. a solid motivation, mm-hmm. and in the case of Unknown Armies, a decent sense of what identities they might have. Mm-hmm. You don't need to give me the exact fucking scores, but like, you know, some fucking keywords, right? Yeah. That's And fair. you can achieve that in like a sentence or two. If you're writing with good economy. Mm. But I didn't really get that from this. I got that from, like, the, the Barrow Gang. True. Right? But, like, the guy, people in the Greggs and the Shell just seem kind of perfunctory. Uh, and frankly, in that, especially when you're dealing with something like this mm. small word count, cut the Shell. You'd Maybe the you shell? cut the Greggs and give it a different name. Well, it is the Greggs and the Graveyard. I would say cut the Shell. Well, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's not alliterative. You'd need to get come up with a different name. The if you cut the shell, just have the Gregs, um, just the Gregs across from a graveyard, um, make it simple. And like the chavs, you got to have some chavs, but just make the chavs the PCs. Da da. Yeah. <laughs> like there you go. A bunch of chavs. Like it's that's a that's a, a British cornerstone, like a, or a touchstone, cultural touchstone character that everyone can sort of get a general sense of. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure. a chav. I'll play sure. a chav. Easy. I, I will say that I do really appreciate the why are you here section. Like, that, that that's good yeah. for a kind of drop any uh, scenario like this. Yeah, and gave, they gave enough variety um, for there be lots of reasons. Um, yeah. Or you could even have, like, each of the pieces is there for a different reason, perhaps. Um, they just happen yeah. to hook up or whatever. Um, for this sort of thing, like, I would say it, it is probably best run as a one-shot. You could you could involve it into a campaign. I could see it getting deployed if it was like a UK campaign. Yeah. I mean, under our armies, dropping snares are kind of difficult. Uh, th- this game doesn't have as strong of a sense of like a core conceit, mm. bringing the co- group together. Some like you know, even Delta Green, uh, even Call of Hulu, arguably. Yeah, because the conceit depends on what on on the player group. More, like, like, and that, that's the other side, other side of things. A lot of stuff is intended to be player-driven. Like, yeah. there is the nice side of, like, yeah, there is the cork board is partially generated by the GM. So they can choose stuff that goes on there, and if they want to run a particular scenario, mm. they can just, like, all right, here's the Gregs. In this case, it's a bit limited to the UK, but that's not a big deal. Yeah. It is tricky coming up with those drop-in scenarios because you can definitely get too general to the detriment of... A scenario is writing, I think. Mm. I think there are enough specific details. I, I think most this. Unknown Armies content could probably be run pretty much anywhere. At least, like, of the 
pre-rinse it. I was like, jailbreak could be run pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Kind of has to be pre-cell phones, maybe. But fucking uh, swap meet can be run pretty much anywhere. Like, they're, they're a, a lot... Swap meet probably goes a bit too far in the other direction of like, okay, th- this gives me too much area-specific detail that isn't really actually relevant to the fucking scenario. Yeah. We've, we've, we've talked on this yeah. in, 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 uh, yes. in depth. Yes. Um, best to keep it vague. But, but the, in the, the, you know, the joy and sorrows, that can be run fucking anywhere. And on the other, on the, on the other hand, on the other side, you have things like this and um, Kate's one-shots, which are more specific. and I th- Which are very, very location-specific. That, that's kind of thing is, when you the more location-specific... You make something, the more... Hell, I, the more specific you make something in general, whether it be location or concept or whatever, hmm. the harder it often is to like just drop into your campaign. Sure. Which kind of just makes it into... skews it in the direction towards being a one-shot by default. And there's nothing wrong with that. One-shots are good. I like no, one-shots. I agree. I agree. And what this is why like one-shots are often designed for that, whereas you want to have... That's why um, Chaosium has those books of, like, historical one-shots and things, which, like, sometimes you want to be in this time and place fighting Cthulhu in a different place. The other side of that is I really don't think, you know, 1,333 words with stat blocks, as in stat blocks are included in that, is really enough to do a one-shot. Well, but people do it with the um, Delta Green shotgun scenario every year. It's it's just only slightly more words. But stat blocks... But, with this, but stat blocks are allowed in that. Sure. Stat sure. blocks are, uh, or rather, stat blocks are excluded from the 1500 word count for the shotgun snare contest. That's and I true. Think that's, that is that, I think that's the root of why a lot of these, um, especially the scenarios that Mellon did, felt kind of constrained by the word count. Because, mm. you know, for a scenario, I think it's you really do need a decent number of stat blocks just to help the GM out. Mm. Or at the very least, you know, any... In- core NPCs give them give them an obsession passions and a few and a few identities right yeah sure and their scores you don't you don't need to give like all the identity features but I think no. the identity scores are at least required but when you include when you not only make the maximum word count shorter than the shotgun snare contest but then you also say oh and stat blocks are included in this hmm. you, things get really cramped yeah. Now, I get what that's trying to avoid. Uh, the shotgun scenario contest definitely has people including exposition. In the stat blocks. In the stat. I'm guilty of this with some of my submissions. It, it, it's a game we play. It's a game we play. Like, how much sure. implication can we and put in And that's fine, this? but... Or when you say stat blocks are included in the word count. One, it re- means you really need to fuck with formatting. Right? Yeah. Because, like, if you format stat blocks for readability, that's probably going to throw off the word count detector for Google Docs. Oh, yeah. And two, it, it just disincentivizes people from including stat blocks at fucking all, pretty much. Because it's yeah. like, okay, I'd rather include the writing t- stuff. But especially for a scenario, I'm looking for ease of deployability. I want something I can read and immediately bring to the table. Honestly, it, I, I think. If this happens again next year, which I hope it does, give them an extra thousand. Oh, I don't either know. give them an extra thousand, or or just say stat blocks are included, and you yeah. know bite that bullet. Yeah, I'm leaning towards you know make it two hundred two thousand three hundred thirty three words. 
I, I would just say make it a multiple of 333. It has to be that. It could be 666. It could be 999. But it has to be... Okay, that's a, <laughs> but that's the pain in the ass. That's that's all right. That's it's yeah, true. <laughs> all right. You can you can fluff it a bit by like um by cursing Thompson voice. Someone <laughs> releases a thirty three thousand and three hundred word submission. I think that you're right. Um, stat blocks having stat blocks would be helpful for GMs, which is what you want. I will say um, it's a bit hard to uh, expect this of uh, fan writers when. The author of the authors of the actual game uh, were pretty few and far between with stat blocks. And why can't we do better? <laughs> that's 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 fair. That's fair. Why the fuck can't we do better? Hell, I'm not asking for stat blocks for every fucking NPC, but you know, ones you're likely to get in fights with, and ones that are likely to be involved with coercion. If they if they're a bad if they're a the good fighter, they've got 60 in struggle. If they're a bad fighter, they've got 40 in struggle. Ta-da. They also probably need they should have their meter scores. Oh, but, that that adds so yeah. much. How many meters do you want here? Like do I do I need to yeah, know fucking really? Do I need to know fucking how really? That that's the thing like coercing someone is like a pretty core part of this game but it's also one that really adds to a stat block if you're writing it out then again you could you, you could put it that like most npcs like most mundies like don't have any heart they just have one harder notch un- except and then if if there's one if they have an extra harder notch you mentioned that like you mentioned like sure. they've got isolation three or they've got violence that's that's, two. that's solid all right so what we got next is the third of melons thing which is darla jean mm-hmm. i like this character this character is quite good um one thing i like about i think melon's written other stuff when melon writes for the sect one thing i like is that they all it's always taken seriously um and leans into the absurdities of like the sect of the oh, Mega sure, goddess cult sure. um but is fleshed out and developed enough that it feels like a real person and i think the sect in particular it it has a like a tendency or a, a, a threat of like being like um, what's the word for it uh, gratuitous, but Melon avoids that by adding like r- enough reality to it that you're like okay now this it makes sense this is completely, okay sure lo- I there's logic there's logic to this there's a, there's it's a weird logic but it's logical. <laughs> it's not like gratuitous or non gratuitous. You know, he'll include, he just very frankly includes a ton of weird sex shit in there. Yeah, but it's it's frankly included. It's it's like straightforward in a way. It's just like, yes. He, he's not getting it. super lured about it. No, no. Um, and there's also, like, the, the character is developed in ways that are, um, like, the fact that uh, Dala likes to, like, actually go on runs. Um, nothing to do with the sex cult stuff, but it's a good character bit and even just well reading this is it. also a character that melons right melon writes a fair amount which is you know confident and true, true. Uh, com- confident muscular woman that is generally good at self-defense i mean he did say in his um in his write-up of in his um uh his write-up of the halloween jam which we will also link uh on his blog spot he said, uh, "Blatant fetishism is an excellent way to speed a product." To well, completion. there you go. There you go. <laughs> I hadn't read that yet. So yeah, th- for something that was written with only one hand on the keyboard, this is pretty damn good. Yeah, very good. Uh... Uh, I'm, I'm very. I'm. I also really enjoyed the box of rubbers artifact. Oh yeah, 
yeah, that's that's it's solid. It makes sense. It yeah. makes thematic sense. Yeah. So for those listening, it is a box of gloves that allow you to snatch bullets out of the air while you're wearing one. That's right. I mean, a bullet. What does a bullet represent? There you go. Oh, oh, the symbolism. The symbolism. My God. Well, that's what it should have been actually. Rather than having it be a box of gloves, it should have been a box of female condoms. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That you still put over your hand. Hmm. That works too. Eh. If, if it's latex, it's latex. Yeah, I disagree, but perhaps you know. fair enough. All right. Uh, after that, we got um, Alexander Head and the Undercroft. Yes, which is um, a sort of interesting little, I guess, short story about guy who hears a particular phrase, he a particular like section of a poem, and it puts him in like. This room for what is subjectively months. Well, no, he he was he was there for three hundred thirty three years. Oh, that's right, that's right. Just other, other people are there for months. Yeah, yeah. He's not having a good time. No, 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 not having a good time at all. This was him, it was a result of him like hooking up with some older woman, and uh, you know he's stuck in this room with like shitty all wallpaper. Years. I refer to it as the hyper olive time chamber. The what? The hyper olive time chamber. Alright, that's good. That's good. I felt like this needed a bit more fleshing out. I mean, as you said, it, it was very much... It, it, I, 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 as I was reading it, I'm it like, this is a good a story. Short story. I, I'd read this short story with a bit more development. What's he doing? Yeah. Um, I can't criticize this too much because I've done this before where I've like written a GMC, which is more like a concept piece because I've come up with something that I personally am like, this is clever. I'm gonna Listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm very forgiving of long, self-indulgent NPC write-ups as long as you conclude some fucking stat blocks at the end and some advice for how to use this in the fucking game. Hey, it's, right? this had Those stat are blocks. key things for me. It had stat blocks. And it did have that. It did have that, but it needed some more stuff on how to actually deploy him in your game. I think the issue was a bit, um, in terms of using him in a campaign, is his obsession, which kind of makes sense, is taking back control, but that is too broad. Like, that could mean anything. You could roll <laughs> that for anything. And also, it didn't l- note which was his obsession skill, um, which would change things. I assume it's Undercroft Psalmist. Psalmist? Psalmist? Yeah, Psalmist. It could be Old Soul, actually. But what this character needed is some a bit more um, of a concrete uh, goal um, that you can throw up against the PCs, or goals, or like... A like a list of like this is what yeah. he might be up to now. He is free from the hyper olive time chamber. He wants to get control. He wants power, and he has something. I think he needs another identity, but that's also just kind of uh, my opinion on things in general. I tend to like characters that that have at least three identities because mm. I think two tends to lead to people being a bit flat a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Not one note, but not enough notes. You get me? Sure. Um, so that could help because all of his identities are wrapped uh, around his experiences in the Undercroft. And I was yeah. like, okay, but what was this guy like before that? Well, that was 333 years ago, <laughs> from his point of view. Sure, but, you know, there, he hasn't aged. It's like he's been through any gender brain shit. And he's he's in life again, you know. He, he didn't... He was there for, like, 333 years and then came back and he's just, you know, he's a junior in high school again. I mean, he could totally, like, being stuck in a room, that's a very, like, 
it's an old boy scenario, and in old boy, he sure. wrote a whole thing about like, okay, who have I wronged? Who will I, who who would have would have wanted to put me in here? That's a lot of time to think about. Shit. What did he jerk off to? The olive, the olive wallpaper. The the wallpaper became his enemy and at times his lover. Yeah, that should be the fear passion. Just the the color olive. <laughs> Oh, it is. It kind of sure, is. It, it, it has a trauma bond on going Vanda's tied to the olive wallpaper and that precise level of dim lighting. Okay, that's good. The thing that stuck out to me is that the Undercroft power is implicitly mimetic. So I'm like, oh. okay, where are the other people that have been to this place and memorized that poem, right? What have, what have they been up to? There's probably like this whole group of people that are... Because the, the sense I get is like, all right, you share the poem... Because it's the only way that you could possibly ever get find other people that could relate to your experience, right? Sure. So, like, lean into that. What are the other people like? He's probably trying to find them because, like, man, I just want someone that I can fucking talk about this with. Because, you know, the fucking older woman that told me this shit disappeared immediately afterwards. It occurs to me that there would be people who are, um, like, being stuck in the undercroft for Alexander was a, like a negative experience, but there would be people who are like, "We, I want to live forever, even if I have to live in this in this olive hell hole. Um, send me to the undercraft. I demand it. Or there's there's some reason I need to be there. I have I have I have no time. I have to work on this project, but I have no time. Send me to the undercraft because then I can finish thinking about what I need to think about uh, and then go back to work or whatever. Um, so there is possibility of people trying to get what he's got from him. There's stuff that can be done with this guy, but the you know I tend to like for the writer of such stuff to do my work for me. Sure, and be like, okay, here's some ideas for what's going on with this guy and other stuff you can do with it. Eh, I don't mind as much. I can so I like like I can spin my own stuff, but it would be helpful uh, to have a bit. I mean, you know, like it's not that I have any trouble coming up with ideas for what to do with them. It's more a thing of just like. I, I'm i sort of a utility maximalist mm. in terms of RPG stuff. Like, I want, in very plain wording, like, all right, here's how you put this stuff in your game. Here's how you deploy this. Rather than just like, okay, here's a big old lore dump, here's a description of a person and some stats, you know, though the stats are good. I I want ideas for like, okay, what do I do with this guy? The, the funny thing is, literally everything on his stat blocks, is all his stats, everything is linked to the Undercroft, which makes sense. Yeah. But it, it means that... You did, but who, it yeah, as you said, it's a bit one note. It's a bit one note, yeah. But that could be interesting if um, you leaned into it and said, like... No, there's ways of doing that, okay, where it's, like, obviously, like, a pure fucking insane obsession. Like stuff where it's like he doesn't even remember who the fuck he was. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then lean into he's that. And so maybe... he dropped back into his life as a high schooler. Yeah, but because he, he's like, yeah, he's no longer a high schooler. He's a, a three hundred, he's three hundred forty something year old man, a three hundred fifty something year old man, um, trapped in a high schooler's body. Um, that immediately adds. That immediately some fucking. Um, uh, Twilight vibes going on there. Uh, well, but... yeah, like you know, lean into the kind of similarities to retrograde amnesia, mm. where someone just wakes up and they don't recognize any of their loved ones, and mm. they like there's cases of this happening where someone will wake up in retrograde amnesia and just roll with it. Be like, oh man, it'd be really awkward to tell my wife that I don't remember who she is. <laughs> All right, you know, fuck it. Yeah, I won't bring it up. 
Well, maybe that could be like part of it. He's he's trying to get back who he was. Like maybe he's trying yeah. to like um, get amnesia. Like he wants to forget his time in the undercraft so he can sure. revert his personality back to so so he can be- get back on track. Like he'll yeah, be like, but he- you know, there's elements of retrograde amnesia stuff, but also add a just incredibly bizarre source of trauma that like nobody else that you know can possibly relate to. Another possibility for a frustration he might have is, like, there's a thing about how every time you remember something, you change it slightly. And after 333 years, his, like, memories of his past might have been just, like, completely fucked by just time and entropy. And his memory, like, what he remembers might not be reality. See, like, this is a strong enough core idea that it definitely sparks some creativity. Yeah. It, it, I, I wish that had been fleshed out a bit more by the writer. That's um, right. Something that comes to mind is like a fun thing is like, all right, he was extremely lonely. He's hardened as fuck to isolation. Yeah. But even then, he's probably trying to find some sort of human connection. And, you know, eventually he feels like comfortable enough for this person. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I was subjectively stuck for uh, like three centuries in a olive-colored uh, hallucination. Uh, you know, is that a red flag? Well, that's it. That's it. Um, here's the campaign. Um, you know, you're friends with Alexander Head, um, and you're trying to get him a date. You need to get him the right date. Uh-huh. Uh, you there need to you find go. someone who he can connect with, someone who's been through a similar situation. Um, there we go. That, that's and fun. you know what you call this campaign? Yeah. <laughs> Green flag. I thought I thought it was going to be getting Alexander Head. Oh, sure, that works. <laughs> that works. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> totally different directions there. Sure, sure. Anyway, okay. Next, we got Stick Subway Train. Yep. Basically, this is a Metrolet lets you take a so local the local subway to any other space. Hmm. I was kind of like, all right, this is a. One, this cost seems a bit low for something like that. It goes, it goes up each time. That's that. That's the trick. Um, it gets more expensive yeah. each time, and I'm thinking that it, it reminds me a bit of uh, Infinity Train a little bit, which I've seen a bit of. I haven't seen it, but like, how how is the other space determined? What kind? Of, you know, give me some samples of other spaces it can go to. It's only 300 words. You got. You got space here to flash in a few other spaces. I'm I'm imagining I'm just imagining looking at something that's like an even more complicated like version of like the Seoul or Tokyo subway line system and oh, trying yeah. to work out like okay, where do I have to go off? Where do I have to transfer to get back home? Um it could yeah. be fun for like a sort of sliders type situation, but um sure. the the issue is if you stay on the train, you might end up like at the end of the line and fucked. So you have to transfer, but every time you transfer, it costs you a bit more. So you might have to just get off. Uh, it comes a bit like that. Um, a, a reasonable limitation might be like you can only go to other spaces you've been to before. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, the, the, maybe only you can only go to other spaces where you that you know another way of getting to it. Even yeah. if that way isn't available at the moment, I think so, like it, um, it comes across to me in this the write up is like. That the uh, the pl- you're not you don't have that much agency or power over where you're going in this in this. Dike well, then train. how is it determined, right? If you want to do that, give me a table of random but, other spaces by the conduct. Oh yeah, okay, fair enough. 
Fair enough. Um, What's your thing? I want to know. About, I want to know more about the Cenobite train conductor. He, uh, he seems fun. He seems like a character that if I, I if I used this, I would uh, flesh out the train conductor uh, because yes. it sounds interesting. You know, it's all. It's not even three hundred words. It's one short, but I think there's room to flesh this out. Definitely, and I kind of wish it had gone that fleshing out. Yeah, I can see it like as a as a conceit for like a certain type of campaign. I kind of like it. I can see. Like, just being on this train, trying to find your way home, like sliders, being like, how do we get home? But that makes it limited uh, usage for some uh, other campaigns, which would be more... Um, sure, yeah. sure. I don't know. I liked it. It's fun. I, I don't know if I'd use... I Actually, I could see myself using it, actually. Um, but a lot of people might not, because it has a Yeah, really there's nothing tone. here that I just don't like the core concept. Hmm. It's always just like, man, I wish it had, well, had, you know, included some more stuff to make it more immediately usable. I think, again, it's, it's more of like a principle thing of, again, like utility maximalism. I want something that, uh, how do I put this? I mean, I, uh, the, the way I kind of think of it is like, when I'm like grabbing something like this, like a, uh, like something from one of the splat books, right? It's always because I'm pressed for time. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like okay, I need someone that does this, and I don't have time to come up with it myself. Right. If I do have time to come up with myself, I'll just you know, being creative is fun, so I will uh, just come Ooh. up with it myself. So it, it's kind of binary for me. It's pretty uncommon that I'll go that I'll read through an RPG source book, specific, especially for like smaller entries, mm. specifically looking for inspiration. Well, then right. the the use case might be like in your scenario, in your campaign or whatever, your players need to go to a particular other space that's come up organically in the campaign. Yeah. And as a GM, you're just looking for a way to get them there. Then you might just pull out the, the subway train. And be well, like, but with okay, other spaces, this. there is literally, they could get their, like, so whatever what a, you as a GM can come up with. And this is just it's an option, so thing. you don't have to come up with your own. You can be like, all right, here's, a ri- here's, okay, sure. here's an idea. I'll just do it this that, way. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. So next you got another other space-related entry, Other yes. Space Sickness. And I like this one a lot. I uh, also I do. I alternate names. Um, I enjoy the new ongoing madness, Untethered from Reality, though it needs some stats. Mm-hmm. Um... There's really good GM notes on this, which I always appreciate. Just like, again, I want to know how to deploy this shit. I just don't want to write up. I want more than just to write up of the concept. Yeah, sure. If you want to do that, you know, fucking, I don't know, like, contribute to SCP or something. Or one of the dozen other knockoffs of similar, like, weird artifacts and... No, no, no. Don't go, don't go to SCP. Stay, stay here, stay here. I, 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 no, <laughs> yeah, I may be being a bit dismissive. <laughs> we don't want to send them off. There is some sort of missing pieces I'm kind of left with on this one. Like, all right, w- I'd like some more details on what the exact cause of the disease is, because what's given is kind of vague. Yeah, uh, is there any different way to places. delay the disease without curing it? Yeah. Because I could see this being like, you know, someone that gets other space sickness on purpose, mm. right? Because it, it does have some kind of utilities. But it is also degenerative. So someone's like, okay, I want to get other space sickness, but I also want to hold off the effects of it to a certain degree well, the before idea, they get too, too bad. The idea I had was that deliberately going and spending time in an other space 
like it holds the disease off for a while. Um, so it's an encouragement to like go and seek out and like um, that's good investigate good another space of the, uh, like for an other space um, explorer who has got the sickness and they can't get rid of it for whatever reason. So they are like in there, so they're coerced or like they've got um, a reason to go into these weird other spaces and spend time there in order to, that they can go home and things are still where they are and they're not going to fall into a sickly yellow sky when they uh, open their bathroom door. It it does remind me a bit of the uh, the the Hasta vibe from DG, um, like these like weird like effects slowly um like taking over your life. A little bit, but I know that it's it's less specific. There, it's more like a form of psychosis to me. Whereas sure. the Haster, the the main thing that Haster always evokes to me is Alzheimer's. Sure, yeah, it makes sense. At least, well, for, if you're running something with other space sickness, and this is compare, if you compare it with the Stike subway train as well, other space sickness is a depiction of other spaces, which makes them seem a bit more dangerous and a bit wrong yeah. by association, and that might be a theme that you want to use in. That's a good theme to have in a UA game. Something's wrong with the other spaces. Whereas Stick subway train makes them more accessible. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Now. Yeah, so... It's like, okay, do you want to go in the direction of, like, these are very alien environments that you need to be really careful of before you go into versus, oh, this is, you know, they're just weird other dimensions that, you know, you can go there and do some cool shit. And both are valid. Yes. <laughs> that's my and today. there's other spaces that fit both profiles. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Everyone's laughing until the sixth subway train rolls into the station in a other space that is pure vacuum. <laughs> that's it. And you can't afford a ticket. So the next one is the one you submitted, which is the Secret Saints of the Cecilites, which I think this is a fun idea, just because, yeah. you know, you Saint Cecil does not exist. Yeah, so there's a question of like, all right, are there any other secret saints that these guys are into? And the answer is apparently yes. Yeah, there's a few. Um, I Yeah, it's sort of like I was just reading up on Halloween and All Saints Day, and I was thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah give some more saints for the Cecilites. Um, it's a bit... Uh, I was reading enough about, like, how saint veneration works that I'm like, mm, I could, this can kind of, like, this is I, this is kind of theologically valid and in a secret sort of, like, kind of not really at the same time. But, yeah, I just wanted to sort of... It's another sort of a way of giving the Cecilites, like, a bit of special powers, even though they're not supposed to use magic. Um, it, I know there's the charismatic magic. Remember, remember, if it's a miracle, it's fine. That's it. It's a miracle. It's all good. God wanted it to happen, so it's not magic. I think my favorite was, is Charles Carroll, just because I oh, yeah. think the idea of one of the signs of the Declaration of Independence also being saint is fun. And it's a lot. And it had, it had good adventure scenes. Appreciate about. But I did want like a third to be listed of like, hey, how do you bring these into your game if your players are like a secular cabal? That's fair. Or one that is, like, allied or neutral to Cecilites, but not actually, like, part of them. That's fair. Uh, I have to think on it. I, I just put the two. And you know what the other thing this these guys need? What's that? The Saints need relics. I mentioned relics, uh, but I didn't give any examples of relics. Give them a bit more. Give each of them a relic. Or two. Why not? Yeah, true. Relics are fun. Relics are fun. And, like, it's a great way of, like, here's my magic artifact. Which is totally okay in the eyes of God because it's the bone of a dead person I know went to heaven. That's right. Yeah. No, that's something I could have added, actually. That would have been 
made a lot of sense. Um, and also brings it into um, uh, something that players could interact with in one way or another, like stealing one or yeah, yeah. preventing it from being stolen from your satellite buddies or, 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 what, or what have you. And, you know, you hit up the Catholic Church about this and you're like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Charles Carroll isn't a saint. He wasn't even Catholic. Yeah, they're like, yeah, you're talking to the Square uh, Monday uh, Catholic authorities. They they don't know anything about it. I know, I'm 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 just a big fan of like holy artifacts. They're just like, yo, he, here's this guy's pelvic bone. Yeah, it's always one. You can use this to turn water into applesauce. Delicious, delicious. All the best applesauce comes out of a pelvic bone. That's what that's what that's what she said. Um, I don't know. <laughs> If that's where the applesauce has come out of, I think something's gone very wrong. <laughs> I do like the Cecilites in many ways. That's why I, wrote this up. I think they need more. I didn't really like the Thin Black Line um, splat book that much. Although I had some... Yes, bits, agreed. Bit, well, agreed. Lo- there was a lot of I fluff. Mean, I think that the stuff we talked about during our episode was pretty good. Of like, okay, leaning more into like... Mm. Uh, like the Catholic Church's weird sort of views on exorcism and mm-hmm. like taking this very scientific view to distinguish between demonic possession and, like, just typical psychiatric problems. Yeah. And sure. also... Because, like, the, the official line of the Catholic Church is that witchcraft does not exist, right? Mm. That's the official line. At least yes. now. At it least publicly. All, either pose- all that exists is either possession or miracles. Mm. And, you know, having a group that has dealt with the occult underground and trying to pigeonhole what they've seen into that very narrow framework is fun. I think there's a lot of potential there. I always like um, when you like looking over sort of religions, views of magic and bringing them in game yeah. because like that, yeah, that's the Catholic position. Generally the Christian position is it's miracles or it's, it's Satan. Um, in Islam, it's a bit like muddier because it could be it could be God, it could be Satan, or it could be those pesky jinn who <laughs> can be good or bad if <laughs> they're up to something. Um, while in other religions, well, because like- shaitan is just like a a term for a malevolent spirit of some sort, right? Like some jinn of Amukali are considered shaitan, right? Yeah, yeah, it's complicated. It varies a bit. Uh, it wasn't. He has to. It depends on the hadith you read, but yes. But yeah, my understanding is like you know a lot of strains of Protestant Christianity say that witchcraft is real and distinct from possession. Mm. Whereas the Catholic Church is just full of like, nope. Yeah. There, there, there's no witchcraft. There's no black magic. If you're doing that shit, it's either because you're holy or because you are possessed by a demon, which can do weird fucking shit. All right. So after that, we got Felix Kaufman, not a medium. Mm. He's a guy who isn't a medium, but yeah. he's like, he uses like the sort of cold reading techniques that a medium does. Mm-hmm. Is like very upfront, like, yeah, this is this is all bullshit. Yeah, this is just a, it's, it's not real, you realize, it's not real. No, this is real, <laughs> but it will, it, you know, help you it might help bit. you feel better. Yeah, sure. Um, this is like a role-playing exercise as bereavement counselor, um, which is, uh, uh, I'm not sure if, the other bereavement counselors would think it's a uh, above board way to proceed, but it, it makes hey, as long as you're being honest about it, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, he's not a charlatan. And he, yeah, he... Just like, okay, this is role playing exercise. Pretend that I'm your dead dad. Hold on, I need to, I need to get in the zone a bit here. Uh, I really like the concept of this guy. Kind of where I'm at though is one again. I feel like he could use another identity because I'm left wondering, like, okay, what's this guy's life? 
outside of his job. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, what does he do when he gets home? Is he a model train hobbyist? I think that would be a good third identity for this guy, model train hobbyist. I, I would um I would just give him he is not possessed, but he like talks like um like Smeagol and Gollum, but it's his like abusive ex wife or something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so sure. whenever he's in a room by himself. You didn't do a good job with that patient. They didn't believe you. That could be a fun way of using this sort of identity system of like modeling DID. You know, sure. which it's, it's dubious whether they exist, but you just have one identity that's like Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Carla. Steve. Just roll on Steve. Because I am Steve right now. Because yeah. I am Carla right now. Well, that's the thing. In the book, it does say like these are um, some like uh, disorders which are not poorly understood and in bad taste. But then it, it whenever that's in these sort of well, games, no, I'm this is like... any. This is totally unrelated to the to the ongoing madness rules. This is just like okay, this is a person that has alters. Okay, yeah, that works. That works, and it's in, in and it's in the identity rules. Um, that's yeah. solid. Yeah, maybe you have to roll one to activate. Like, I, I'd like to a bit of write up on. All right, how does how do you get this guy in your game? Right. Yeah. How are you supposed to use this guy in your game? How does he get involved in the occult underground? Especially when, you know, the average person in the occult underground knows at least one guy. It's like, oh yeah, I can actually talk to your dead right, dead dad. Like, we, we could summon him. Uh, or at least what's left of him. What's the point of going to, like, the self-aware, non-charlatan medium when you can actually just summon a ghost? Yeah, but you don't want to talk to the ghost because the ghost, it's either a scam or it's a demon. Sometimes you just want to yeah. talk to a facsimile. demons. What's the difference? Sure. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I see, like, that. that's good, but I'd like to include that sort of thing included in the write-up, you know? Mm, yeah, fair enough. I can see different ways. Like, I don't... I No, having those rules about, like, how to use them in campaign, like, or use them in-game is useful. I don't really mind if they're not there. I don't really mind if there's just characters who are just like, well, these are people who might be out there in the occult underground somewhere that you might encounter. I like to have a couple of them at least, right? Yeah. And also, that sort of stuff's important because I think it gives a good idea of, like, if you include one of these figures on a corkboard, mm. of like, okay, what sort of connections do you draw to them? Yeah, sure. You go to you, you go to Felix just to vent to your... Like, yeah. like a, one of your dead relatives or whatever. You know, it, everyone knows it's 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 fake. It doesn't matter. The, the, it, it's it's about the experience. Another angle I could see with this sort of concept is like someone that's really into doing the research on these dead people, so they can more effectively roleplay them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, you go to this guy. He's like, "All right, I need you to give me the numbers of any w- living relatives he has. I need to talk to them for a bit." So I can, you know, do this properly. If he has any social media, any emails or anything, let me know those. Well, he might have, like, um, access to information. Like, if this guy is so obsessive about it that, like, every day he's scanning the obituaries and then does, like, a deep dive on their social media and then just, like, doesn't write it down but has it, like, in his memory palace, um, which means that he might have information that you can find yourself or you can just go and shake down... Kaufman. That's also another cool use. Like, oh, we want to find out something about someone that's dead. Oh, yeah, there's this guy around here that, like, just obsessively researches recently deceased so he can more effectively roleplay them with their grieving relatives. It does say that he, while he's not, doesn't have any magical powers, he does skirt the edge of that because he's able to, able to, like, connect the dots and extrapolate things 
that he shouldn't be able to know, which is, I guess, sure. I think is like that would be helpful sometimes. It's just like, okay, he's just got all this information and he's made a model in his mind of, he's modeled your dead relative. Um, and you can talk to that model and maybe get some insight that you wouldn't get by yourself. Sure, sure. Okay, next up we got University Street, which is a other space modeled after basically a alternate history uh, district of Seattle. I think it's cool. I, I love my like really petty alternate history. It was not petty, but it's like yes, agreed. It's, it's agreed. Like, you know, okay, it's slightly. Don't different. give me, don't give me like, oh, what if the Germans won World War One? What if fucking Napoleon didn't lose at Waterloo? Yeah, yeah. Nah, just like, all right. What if, what if the urban planning for Seattle were a bit different? Yeah, the university expanded to the waterfront. What a different like, but that's I like it, and I like how mundane it is, and I like how magic. Yeah. Like I don't know if it's just urbanomancy or it's all magic. I hope it's all magic because I like that element of like this is not a real world, but it's so more. It's it's so it's clearly alternate world, but it's so not normal and mundane except for the weird urbanomancers, the street rats who are running around who don't yeah. have magic yeah. in there, but they're still fucking weirdos. Um, yeah. And yeah. they might be trouble if you encounter them outside. I don't know. Like the whole the setup, even though it's real specific in terms of place, I like it. it it's good. I'm left wanting to know more about the culture of this place. Like, okay, how does it differ from our Seattle? I, though admittedly, it's, getting, it's running pretty close up to the word limit, so... Yeah, like, I, I think... I too much on that one. Solid NPCs, just the right amount of detail, evocative entrance and exit, which I think yep. any good other space needs. This is a good example of a... Because, like, in the book, when it's talking about other spaces, it says, like, one of the ways to build another space is to go and investigate other, other spaces and, like, just sort of get a sense of them. This is a good one to, like, say, like... If your players want to build another space, like they could find out. Oh, there's this one in there's this one in in Seattle which is fairly harmless. It, it's weird enough that it would be helpful to you, but it's not like full of like, um, like scythe reavers or whatever. Some of the other other spaces are full of. You're not going to yeah, be killed yeah. by weirdos. It, it it's just a, a slightly different Seattle for the most part, and then and then you make it more complicated with um the whole abanamanti thing. Yeah, the urbanomancy thing is good. I I guess I would like a bit more like, okay, why would your sort of average cabal bother to go to this place? You would have to be like, that's what I'm thinking, like other space investigation. Um, if they're doing that for whatever reason, this is a good place to go to. Sure. If it's reality cops, they might be trying to destroy it. Um, or they could be trying to hide out. If you've got any sort of curse on you that's making you like a magical curse, which is making your life miserable, yeah, yeah. you can just go and hang out in slightly alternate Seattle without magic and uh, sort of chill for a bit. Um, I can see it. Like, there are, there are ways you can use this. Okay. After that, we got The Cleaners by friend of the show, Kate and Melton. Yep. Very fun core concept, which is that you are a Shinkansen cleaner, which is, you know, someone that cleans the uh, train cars in Japan, uh, in a very short time span. My thing is, this is very heavily based off of uh, stuff, a campaign you wrote, you ran for them, correct? Yes, yes. Um, for there was, I remember, like, there was like one line I had in um, stuff that I was writing um, about Catharomancers, but I, it wasn't developed at all. Um, and yeah. Kate just took it, it ran and developed it in something really cool. What I was, what I like about how Kate does it is 
it's a good combination of like um, sort of uh, culturally specific like folklore, supernatural stuff, but combined with like modern socioeconomic realities uh, in ways sure. that add depth that you don't often see when you have Westerners writing about Japan in role-playing games, where it's and that's something that I pushed back on about how Kuchisaki Kuchisaki Ana Ana in um, Book three was literally just the urban legend with no twist whatsoever, and I'm like, why? This is just this is literally just the urban legend. My understanding is that Japan is just like those animes I watch. Oh yeah, okay. Therefore, sure. I don't I don't need to actually change anything because it's exotic. Exotic. Uh, but you don't you don't have that problem with this because it's it's it has depth. Yeah, it's like oh yeah no the, the, here's a really shitty part of Japan's culture. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And that makes it it is again another something that's very quite specific, uh, which is good for one shots. But yeah, the the detail given here, I think, like having like just it's it's one bad guy sort of situation. This again feels a bit constrained by the word count, in sure. my opinion. Sure. Very good imagery with the dummies and the Daraman, wonderful yeah. core concept. But then, like, okay, the core scenario is supposed to be dealing with this office building. There's like not mo- like only like. A third of the text is actually dedicated to like what players can do in that office building. Mm, sure, right. Like most of it's set up. I, I want to know what players will actually do. Right, the setup is good and like helpful because this is the sort of thing that a lot of people don't know about. But you know, the the lion's share of the text needs to be on the stuff that players interact with. And this came right up to the word count. This is like uh, thirteen hundred nineteen yeah. words. And I'd love to see the 2,333 word sure. cap version of this. this. Because there's uh, there's not much in here that I, I wouldn't cut anything. No, I agree. Like, I, I my issue is I, there's nothing that needs to be cut, but a good amount that needs to be expanded. Yeah. And, you know, there's also, like, some mysteries. Um, how are players supposed to figure out that coloring in the other pupil of the Dharmon will liberate the spirits? Are there any? And I looked, and I didn't see any hints towards that. It's just like, okay, the there's a Darman missing a pupil. I think that's a bit of a logical jump to be like, okay, let's try to color this in. Mm. But you know, if you had another thousand words, there's room to flesh that out. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think in terms of um, usage of the word count and like just amount. Oh yeah, of... no, this is stuffed to the gills. It's it's yeah. so stuffed that this is like. A life raft where they had to like <laughs> throw off a bunch of like fairly critical people because of what they had on there was even more critical. Oh right, well, um, I re- yeah, this is why probably I don't know. I like this one; it's good, but yeah, no, also, I, like I'm not surprised. I like it too. It's it's it's, it's Kate it, and Melon yeah. like combining their forces. That they're, they're that's that's and that's then ter- making something terrifying. based off of the game you ran for them. Yeah, so of course I'm just like yeah, clap clap clap, very good. Uh, I recognize this name. Rin Mader, I know this name. Yeah, no, nah, solid stuff. But next we got Galatea, which is like, it's a AI startup that has <laughs> yep. made a another magical, it's kind of a mini Nomon, I guess? Sort of, yes and no. This is sort of like an old concept. Like I've seen it, I, th- I swear it was in, I think it was in Buffy, with the whole like, let's uh-huh. scan the occult text into the computer and then hilarity sure. ensues. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not a super you know, cool they, idea. They trained doing... a LLM, a large language model on a bunch of occult texts. Yes. 
I do like the the execution in terms of like detail. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I like anything that sort of goes in UA that goes in the intersection between magic and big tech. Yeah, sure. So I'm pretty inherently biased towards this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's part of why I think Nomon is my favorite new faction. Yep. This, if you're going to like, yeah, I like Sia, the uh, the equivalent. I think it's yeah. like Sia is distinct from Nomon, like like the personality I would agree. More cagey. Well, that's kind of one of the things is I didn't really get a strong sense of Seer's personality. Okay, like, they describe its interactions with one of the characters, Ada, as affable. Mm. But, like, I, I could never really tell whether the writer was trying to make Seer an independently motivated character, a resource, or something more in between. If I was running, if I was running Seer, it would definitely be... Like open AI at its most annoying, you know. Like, I'm sure. sorry, I can't tell you this. Um, I'm sorry, I can't give you this piece of information. Being yeah, like, in that really, you know, where you need to like corporate. give prompts to work around it. To yeah, get, have it give you the fucked up black magic stuff you won't actually want, right? Yeah, but that's I, kind I, of fun. An AI that will only give right hand path answers to your occult questions. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so good. Um, I've had trouble. Like, I use um. A chat GPT sometimes just to like spin up ideas. Sure, yeah, I'm like, I'll put a plug in yeah, this. Like, yeah. Give me some ideas, like, and I like one sentence so I can see. And like, I'll, I'll be like, okay, expand on this. So I like, do it this way. And I'm like, and then I'll be, it'll, it'll hit some filter because like, oh, this is too fucked up. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm coming up with a fucking horror scenario. <laughs> this is fictional. And then you have to like twick, trick it, or not trick it, or like, like hold its hand and be like, it's okay. It's okay. No, I think no. tricking is a, I think tricking is an appropriate word for what you're doing yeah you're basically fucking tricking the thing yeah and you might have to and it would be the same i think with dealing with seer um lots yeah. of information in there but yeah i like that idea only gives the right hand path like version of everything and you have to sort of yeah it, it's a it's a process there, there's a lot of cool resources in this one for like all right here's some advice for campaign inclusion right here's a list of resources the company has this mm. is good stuff to know for a fact, right? Yeah. Like, the resources, how you get them in your game. The, the Really, the main thing I felt missing was, like, the the two uh, people running the company, Ada and Haley, I thought they could use a bit more character detail. Sure. Sure. I also get a better sense of, like, what Kenneth and Benny's personalities were than those two. And they're supposed to be mm. running the fucking company. In my sense, they're supposed to be kind of, like, the core NPCs. Yeah. That's fair. I do like, like, this is something, if you are heading in a direction of dealing with, uh, like, Nomon in a campaign, like, yeah. these are people who are much more accessible than Flex Echo, because they're not the NSA. <laughs> like, they're dealing with the NSA. Um, oh, the NSA is fucking everywhere, bro. I know it is, but, but like... Getting... You know, they aren't as accessible, right? Yeah, that's what but, I mean. But, I mean, Nomon does also... That's kind of the thing, it's like a Flex Echo, like, the street-level stuff is, like, the Nomon adepts. Mm-hmm. And the more global level is when you actually start getting involved with Flex Echo proper. That's what I, I mean. Think. Like, if you were doing, yeah. like, a, a Silicon Valley UA campaign, sure, sure. like, it would be cool. Like, if you're doing local level, you start off dealing with Galatea, and then, like, from Galatea, from Seer, you get, like, uh, suggestions of, like, another, like, even more powerful um, AI out there. My my take from my uh, my vibe from Nomon is I'd rather deal with Nomon directly than Flex Echo. Oh <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely, fucking lutely. I mean, um, the vibe I always get from Nomon is that 
It loves us the way that humans love cat videos. That's fine. I can deal with that. We are the best kind of content. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can dance for the for the super intelligence. I don't mind. Yeah, uh, sure. I have a mouth and I can sing. <laughs> I, I think the the main issue I had with it was like, all right, I want to know more about Adon Haley, and you know, there, there's a spare word count for it. Yeah. Um, it could be expanded upon, I think, like, well, compared to some of the cabals in book three, it's got more words and more detail, so that's good. it does. Uh, It does, but also, uh, you are not wrong, but also, uh, uh, a lot of those cabals in book three leave quite a fair amount to be desired. Uh, well, this one leaves a a little bit to be desired, but not too much, just some more detail, just keep going with it, this is good stuff. It's very, uh, economical. Like, it gives just as much information as you, I think you really need, uh, almost. And then, especially, there's a strong focus on usability. Yep. Which, that's the shit I'm looking for. Yes. And this was written by... This one, Galatea, was written by Valiant. So the next one is Bartlett and Sprouse, College Thaumaturges by Traskomancer. Mm. Which... Honestly, I think it's kind of in the opposite direction of uh, usability. You reckon? Well, it kind of has the issue again of like, okay, this is a short story of the setup. Mm. And then he does the setup and then just stops. To be fair, that's some some of the, uh, especially in second head, some of the, G- the GMCs are like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's just as bad there too. And I, 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 I am equally... Guilty of this crime of being like I'm getting so into the background. Um, no, the background. I have again. I want. I have no issue with a fleshed out background. You can even take like a fucking page or two if it's a fun character that I like reading. I just need at least a little bit on like what are they up to now, right? Well, the, and how the, do you put them in your game? This is it. This is. Um, it said that it says that Jake learned three rituals from Bailey. Um, so okay, like yeah. the basic setup is there's this guy. Who who is really into the idea of skull and bones and and all that? But he's just a frat bro, uh, for the most part. And then encounters uh, someone who actually has some rituals. But then it says that that Jake learns three rituals from Bailey before cutting ties, uh, and then just avoiding. Then just just breaks off. And the the way you fix this thing fundamentally, I think, yeah. the way you fix this right is you make these guys present tense instead of it mm. being like, oh, Bottle and Sprouse knew each other. And then they stopped hanging out. It's like, no, I, w- I want to know what these, like, ritual-powered frat boys are getting up to right yeah, now. Yeah, What are they doing now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't make these guys past tense. Make them present tense. You, you have these, like, college-age agromancer slackers. That mm-hmm. has a lot of potential, I think. I, I, I want to know less about the setup and know more about, like, okay, what when they are together, what sort of hijinks do they get up to, right? I, I, I'm imagining like Animal House, but with more cattle sacrifice. Mm. Yes, the thing is with Jake being so into like the whole law, the the law of Skull and Bones, and wanting to get into it. I like the idea of these two like setting up a, like a fraternity, or they're trying to set up like they're starting a frat, and and your PCs are the ones who they're trying to like haze. But like Jake doesn't actually sure, know shit, sure. and like and um, <laughs> Bailey is just sort of, like. Like, I see Bailey as having, like, the, the rituals and having the power, but, like, also maybe being a bit, uh, like, oh, the weird, 
kid who doesn't know much about like maybe homeschooled yeah definitely yeah was homeschooled and them together as like pretending that they're a part of like a much larger like established like weird frat but actually yeah. it's yeah. it's a startup it's it's uh, well and, the and other side of this is like i i like bailey as like a potential fun inversion of the classic like fucked up adept mentor like grizzled mm-hmm. old adept mentor mm-hmm. you know spin that around your player character is in their 40s. Their opportunity to learn magic comes from, like, a 19-year-old. Oh, all the players can be um, academics. They can all be the professors. Anyone on the campus. Or, you know, whether it could be fucking students. It could be academics. It could be bureaucrats. It could be the fucking cafeteria staff. Ideally yep. a mix. Yep. No, that's solid. That's fun. But yeah, just frame these guys less past tense, more present tense. I think yeah, is like exactly. the really key to fit the, and you know, as a result of that, get less into broadly going over what they went into and give me more solid examples. Like what sort of crazy, because <laughs> it's like, yeah, but Bartlett strikes you as like a very stereotypical party bro type, right? Sure. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what happens to that sort of character archetype when they are given access to magic that is fueled by animal and human sacrifice yeah yeah there's, there's nothing definitely good. fun stuff you can do with that but if, if, if i was ever if i was ever thinking about like okay i'm gonna run a, a ua campaign that's set on a university campus or it involves the university in, in, in yeah. any way like bartland sprouse easy just pop them in good yeah these are some good npcs and because they are a ritualist, I do want to compliments uh, to Traskomancer. The rituals that were included here are quite good. And the, the thematic as well. Yes. I think my favorite's probably Midnight Oil, mm. where you like put a bunch of energy drinks around you, and in that bubble, time is a little bit dilated. Yep. Freshman 15 has just the right amount of body horror to it. Yeah, that's yeah. It's fucked. It it, it it's fucked, but it's great. Solid and there's stuff. a lot of fun implications with that one if you think about yeah. some ways oh, yeah. you can use it. Oh yeah. So if what that one does is it allows you to exchange body fat with someone else, which is just just there's evil ways to use this and good ways, I guess. I guess. No, that this. this I I get the sense that you know both parties involved need to be kind of you know they both need to be participating in the ritual. Which, to an extent, implies consent, but, you know, someone could easily be coerced into sure. muck-banging themselves into being a fucking, uh, uh, well, what's the way of putting this? Uh, a fucking fat suit of Dorian Gray? Good stuff. I like some more detail, like, some more character. Like, if this was expanded, I just want, like, yeah, give me the write-ups for Jake and, uh, Bailey. Agreed. Give me the right for Jake and B- Bailey. Focus less on the setup and more on the part about their current activities. Yep. Um, again, I'm not against having a long backstory, though. I think, you know, try to keep it to one page. But mm. the the focus of any write-up should not be on what led this character or this cabal to its current state. It should be, what is their its current state? Mm. What, are, what are their current activities? Because that is going to be, you know, the part you need to flesh out, because it's going to be what players are interacting with. And ideally, you include some stuff on what are their responses to various stimuli, right? But that's admittedly um that that's even more word count, which is a bit harder yeah. when you have something a limit that's this tight. Still, it's good. It what for what it's worth, um yeah. It's it's fun. Okay, so what's the next one here, Torson? 
<laughs> the next one is uh, a, a blatant uh, manipulation of the starts with U and ends with T, but I enjoy it. Uh, ultra flat. I mean, fucking listen, like, all the aestheticness has the alter, like, the starts with U, ends in T is stuck in the alternate names. It's not even the fucking title. Oh, that's, 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 uh... Doctor Point for that one, I'm sorry. That's another one by Valiant. All right, but this one... Uh, Ultra Flat is like it does bring it in like, thematically. It is part of it. Ultra Flat is a big, big, big part of like this particular phenomenon. It's it's a trap. It's a it's a it's a tra- it's a trap. Frank, watch out. I'm a big fan of spatial fuckery as horror. Me too. So I'm I'm a bit biased towards this. You know, you go to example being House of Leaves, of course. Oh yeah. Um, it, this is a kind of a fun trap because they there's a lot of detail. I'm like, okay, how do you get out of this? Oh yeah. There's a bit of stuff on like, all right, people can take advantage of this. So it's like, is it? A, it's a trap, yes. But I think any good trap needs to be, you know, it's a classic bit of like dungeon terrain shit. Where it's like, okay, there is this trap in the dungeon, right? And sure, mm. if you aren't looking out, you can end up blundering into it. But mm. if you're clever, you can also lure the monsters into it, right? Absolutely. I really I like the fact that it's it's not like killing them instantly being turned to two dimensions. It's, it's can, fucking can, Looney Tunesing them. To, it's it's fucking like anvil crushing them to death. Yes, victims feel like uncomfortably warm <laughs> sliced lunch meat and I can be rolled up. Love that description. <laughs> so that good. is so good. So yeah, that is just so fucking good. Well, well done, Cleo, on that one. This sort of phenomena, like I can see, yeah, there's definitely some bit of a House of Leaves vibe here. I was also reminded, um, spoilers for one of the books of the Three Body Problem series, but um, there was a weapon that two deifies things, which reminded me a little bit of that. I like it. It's a, it's a not a huge problem. Like this is a good like sort of thing. Uh, if you wanted to like lead your players towards dealing with like a like a hungry home or something or something similar. Like having this yeah. to set it up as like, well, this is a this is a this is a fucked up, weird, like spatial anomaly, but it's you can deal with it. You can deal with it if you're clever. Honestly, this one's one of my favorites. The only kind of thing that's that struck out me is like, okay, wait, did the people only last five days, and why are there so many posters? Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I really like? I like these fuck the the little picture, the little posters of flies and mosquitoes. Yes, yes, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, they should probably be stuck there. Um, uh, maybe, like, they turn into posters, like, like, they, they fold, like, for the five days, they're the lunch meat, and then they're, like, stuck to the wall, and you can't get them down, they're just stuck there. Alright, so, after that, we got Kabbalah del Rey del Invierno. Basically, this, this guy's deal, it's certainly a business, but, uh, the most important part of it is a gentleman by... By the name of Oscar Fuentes, um, is a refrigerator repairman mm-hmm. who has fallen into the trade of hunting snowfallen. Mm. Are these actually snowfallen, or are they? I think they're like. It a, seems a variety, to be very heavily implied that they're snowfallen. I don't know. There's well, all stuff about like the luring, luring children in and shit. Mm. That's a good point. I thought they were like a like sort of like cousins of Snowfallen, but maybe from the description they no, literally. No, I, I, I think it's just Snowfallen without actually like name dropping them as such. Right, right. That's cool, actually. That's a good. And then he stores them in the fridge. He stores them in the the fridges he has in the back. There you go. Very sort of specific kind of Ghostbuster uh, setup, yeah. but a good. I piece only of bust the one kind of ghost. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Sometimes you need a, uh, a specialist. Yes. Well, yeah, who do you want to hire? The general repairman or the refrigerator repairman? That's it. That's it. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because there are so much, there's so much variety in revenants and demons that sort of a generalist might not be that useful in a lot of situations. I haven't but dealt this with this guy, kind This before. guy's decked out. He has the exact kind of facility you need when dealing with snowfalling. Yep. So this is kind of would be like the main example I'd point to of the backstory could be tied up a bit and use some editing. Maybe. In favor of including stats for this guy. Like, mm. I, I, I want to know what Oscar's stats are. What are his identities? Refrigerator repairman? Snowfall and hunter? Family man? Yeah. Like, that would have been good, actually. He could t- yeah, tighten up the, the history a bit. Um, although that, a lot of that history is like relevant to Oscar. Um, but yeah, give us some obsessions and passions and, and whatnot. Um, what's the word count like on this? Ooh, ooh. This is a this is thirteen twenty nine, so real yeah. close to the edge Which, there. Which hence why I'm advocating for you know tightening up the backstory there. Mm. The other side of it is I would appreciate as is there's like one fleshed out hook of like mm. okay the shop loses power and some of the snowfall and escape and the players need to give them help catching them. Mm. Yeah. I'd prefer to have either a few more shorter hooks. Or if Mechristopheles, the writer, is a big fan of that specific hook concept, flesh it out into a scenario. Yeah. Make a scenario about working for Fuentes. And kind of how I th- how I tend to think on things, I guess, is that the more specific you are, the more gameable it tends to be, but the more sort of implicit debt you build up of giving a GM resources to... Mm-hmm. Uh, deployed in their game, right? And when you have something really specific, that tends to ideally be in the format of a scenario. Mm -hmm. Because that is just as fleshed out as you possibly can have it. Whereas having something more general gives you a a bit more ability to be like multiple choice of like, oh, you can include it this way, you could maybe include Mm -hmm. it this way. Here's just an overview of the concept. That's out of that approach being you can get general to the point of uselessness. That's true. You can get so fucking general with RPG content that, you know, it's all multiple choice and you're, you, the reader, are just kind of left with the question of, wait, why, don't, why the fuck don't I just come up with stuff myself? This yeah, isn't saving me any work. That's it. Like, I, I feel I prefer the airing on the side of specificity. Um, yes. And, like, sometimes if, it, if it's a bit too specific, uh, you can adapt it rather than being so broad that, like, this could be a hundred different things. Yeah. And I think this yeah. is a... Quite specific. This is very specific, uh, which means that if you don't need it, you don't need it. But if you have, like, it's good. And there's nothing. Specificity is the ideal, I think. But the thing is, the more specific you get, the more support a reader is, a reader is kind of expecting from you. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 more a reader is expecting you to give them detailed support on how to GM it and include it in their game. Because the more specific you can get, the more detailed and specific advice for inclusion you can give. And there's a mm-hmm. point where the inclusion is so specific where it's just like, all right, here's an outline for a scenario mm-hmm. involving these guys. So after that, we got Gert. Got Gert. By Dennis Kearney. Yeah, we got Gert. Um, I like the name. This is kind of in the kind of what I mean when like 
the, this is a broad enough overview, but it doesn't really... It's so devoid of mechanical detail that it becomes very hard to use. Maybe. Well, it's a specific, like, thing of, like, the Gert could sure. take your, your notches um, and take a secret. Yes, and uh, that's solid. That, like, that, that's a... I like that because it's, like, okay, here's... It feels not only like a tool for the GM, but a tool for the players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this is something that players are going to want. It's something that mm. will very naturally come up in a game. Mm. But where are Gert's stats? Where is the write-up Gert, for his ritual? Gert is, is two. Uh, no, Gert is, is a lady, uh, for one thing. I'm mixing this up because I actually ran a D&D campaign once with a character named Gert. I see. It was a man. But that was Gert, if I remember with two eyes, not an E. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Do you know the word Gert appears in the Australian National Anthem? What does it mean? It says, it, the line is, our home is Gert by sea. It means to be surrounded by. All right. I got I to gotta remember that one. <laughs> More you know. Imagine pulling that one at like a bank robbery. All right, you're Gert. <laughs> Everyone down. <laughs> you're Gert. You're good, my cops. We got your gut. <laughs> <laughs> you have my what? <laughs> Excuse me? That's pretty good. As for this gut. I, I think she should have, like, she should have her, like, stats right now and the ritual she has written up. And, you know, the the write-up is only 600 words. So mm. there's plenty of room. Yeah. Uh, one thing is that gut, uh, because she takes secrets... And harder notches. I mean, she's someone you could shake down. I do like the conversation. I, I, I do like the, the write-up sure. is there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's weird because, like, the opening paragraph is like, okay, it's this cool con- conversational style that's written kind of implicitly in character. Mm. But it doesn't include much information that isn't gone over more clearly in the later paragraphs. That's true. Maybe it could be tightened up a bit, I guess. I know. I like that. Like, having that fictional, like, fiction bit at the start gives some, like, uh, Second Ed vibes, which are good. A lot of Second Ed vibes from this character, actually. I really like the vibe of this character. Reminds me of old, uh, old Jita. Um, sure. Second Ed as well. Sure. It's good to have some like dips and mances. Um, they're just sort of like, you know, around useful, but you know, they're drunks. Your mileage may vary. I mean, hey, you know how you, you know what they want. Mm. That's a real nice thing about working with dips and mances. You don't need to think much on how you can pay them off. And that's what I like about Gert. Is it's just like she can't handle her liquor like she used to, and passes out if she has equal yeah. to five drinks, which is great for like dips. She she like, acts as your sin eater and then just passes the fuck out. That's solid. Gert is a good character to introduce the characters to, um, and can help the characters out. But Gert's also this sort is of a very that... classic sort of UA character. I agree. Mm. Like I, I like her vibe. I like her personality. I like the right up. I just, it's like, okay, now I want the mechanical stuff, right? Sure. I want to roleplay this character as a GM, but now you need the game shit. Gert's the kind of character that could get in trouble, and if the PZs have had interactions with her, they're definitely going to go to the rescue, most likely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you can involve the caseworker um, and all that. She's a bum, but she's our bum, damn it. That's right. That's right. After Gert, we have Urzenshaft by... Cleo, this is the one that uses f- uh, five. Starts with you, ends with T, Subway. Debatably the six. And basically, uh, Urzenshaft's deal is that he's a 
uh, guard for the London Underground that mm-hmm. also does off-the-books tours mm. for people interested in checking out the parts of the Underground that are no longer in use, only supposed to be used by maintenance workers and whatnot. And like the London, the London Underground as a setting, um, it appears in lots of uh, UA adjacent uh, media. Uh, yes, it's everywhere. If, if, um, if if you have an urban fantasy book set in London, the London Underground is gonna oh yeah, absolutely show up. Absolutely, and there's a and, good amount of urban fantasy books set in London. Yep, and by having this guy be like relatively mundane, I think is useful. Um, for I think it's it's a good um for UA uh, as well. The right vibe. Cleo Mancer does include like all right. This guy's had some encounters with people from the occult underground in the past. Sure. Here's how he responds to that. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll help them out sometimes, or he might cuff them because they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing down there. Mm, that's right. Um, not Good all... list of possessions. Uh, solid appearance. A fun ritual. Uh, no music is a good ritual name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it's not even one that Urza necessarily knows. It's just like he's aware of. He's run into people doing it before. Yeah. Yep. This is like the exact amount of information you need for a GMPC. I think. Yeah. No, you're right. It covers like the, who he is, what he's up to. Yeah. What his background is. Yep. All the stats. Uh, what resources he has available, and then you know for. Because there's a was a bit of word count left. Cleo threw threw in a ritual for free. That's right. And, are, and you he sure even ties in it into Urzen, so. And sure, it's not there's not much like there's not like a bit like how to use him in your campaign. But for this one, you don't really need him because it's pretty self-explanatory. He's like, you want to go in the under, underground? Um, this is the guy. It's not marked specifically as in the way that it is for some of the other entries for the jam, but that last paragraph it's, of his uh, background goes into it yeah sure I, I do wish it had a bit more like concrete hooks i mean basically everything else is fucking nail on the head exactly what i need yep. yeah you know maybe i guess i changed like if you're talking in terms of word count budgeting like okay maybe get rid of no music as much as it pains me to say the phrase get rid of no music <laughs> and replace that with like some more concrete hooks for this guy sure and I, I was very fond of the detail that he specifically tries to look like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> Next, we got the only player option submission, which is for mm. the Avatar of the Mascot by Gato Grigio. That's right. Um... And... I like this idea, but it's weird because, like, you, you need to have an original character for the write-up in here. And that's, I think, the main issue I have with this, right? Is Why can't the guy in the Philly Fanatic co- costume channel this archetype? He should be able to. Maybe. Maybe I'd remove that. I do like it, like, um, it makes it... I like the idea that you're Mischief Rodent instead, uh, which is funny. It should less be that it's an original character and more that nobody else can wear the costume but you. Mm, maybe yeah okay so you're the only one who can wear the costume that would make sense if you're doing something like um the japanese style like regional like um or company or regional mascots where there might just be one suit 
Like, it's not popular, it's not a character like Mickey Mouse, it's like, I am the character that represents such and such prefecture. So you can't really be Mickey Mouse because there's so many people that wear those fucking outfits, right? But, mm. I know, like, I could see it maybe working more for, like, the cast members of Disneyland, where it's like, okay, you have the guy that is Gaston, right? And there's only mm. one fucking cast member at Disneyland that mm. plays Gaston. Yeah. Okay. You know, they can get away with having a bunch of Goofies and Donalds and Mickey Mouses. Mickey Mice. What's the plural of Mickey Mouse? Because, you know, they're they're wearing a, a full-on well, head. I'm pretty sure Mouse is his surname, so I guess it would be Mickey Mouses. Yeah. You know, like, there's a ton of people that wear that costume, but... They're the Gaston people, right? They aren't... They, they aren't wearing, like, a suit. They're just doing, mm. like, the clothes and the makeup and shit. That would explain why um, Disneyland cracks down on um, costumes so much, cosplayers so much. You'd be like, no, 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 out of here, out of here with that. This is this is Disneyland. This, there can be only one gas, uh, Gaskin or something. Or maybe I like the idea that this, um, like maybe like if a character's too popular, it's not going to th- fly. But like if they're they're opening like a new ride or a new attraction for like a, a minor movie or something, and they happen, and this is this is the the only costume of this particular like side character and you've just like gripped onto it and like i am the mascot for like whatever like the clock from beauty and the beast so that's probably that's probably too common something even rarer you know yeah the other issue i kind of have with this i think the mascots are really solid archetype but Mm. like the execution i had some issues with especially like that some of the channels felt didn't really make sense to me which ones like the the top channel especially right Three times per day, the Avatar can pose a rank nine violence or helplessness check upon everyone in their line of sight. What? I mean, that's fun. Uh, but it's, yeah, maybe. But it doesn't really feel relevant to, like, the symbolic domain of the, the archetype. Yeah, true. Because mascots are, like, entertainers. They aren't symbols of terror, usually. I do like the, the third one. I mean, I'd say, like, the, the suit is treated as bulletproof armor for the purposes of resisting damage. I would instead maybe word that as you do not take damages until after you leave the suit. Oh, yeah. Then you're stuck in it. If you know, you're definitely going to die if you take it off. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. I love that. The suit itself will not show any signs of damage. You'll be shot, but, you know, the the suit itself is totally intact. I can't take off this. I can't take off my mascot head because I'll just turn into a red mist. <laughs> yes, and I think that's something that this should really like dial in on on the higher levels is sure. like blurring the lines between the suit and the wearer. Oh yeah, that's fair. I think like something like having a lower channel, which is like okay, you can get everyone's attention in line of sight, makes sense yeah. because you're the you're the mascot. You're like singing and dancing or whatever. I do like the channel, the first channel, where you just, like, yes, I agree. just fit into any social situation. Yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining, like, I'm imagining that, that photo of the, um, of, what was it, when they killed uh, Osama, when you had, like, Obama and everyone, like, in the room, in the war room, whatever, looking seriously, and yeah. then just having a mascot in the background. Yeah, no, that's fucking perfect. That's fucking perfect. Yeah, uh, that's good stuff. Um, I would, yeah, that, as, uh, there are some, like, things I would tweak with this. Um, I think it's, yeah, it needs to work, but I do like it, um, and it's fun. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, it's pretty it's, easy to come up with, like, a like character ideas for this. I mean, the OC thing is fun. 
Uh, I think it should they should be like a totally valid way of playing these guys, if only because like okay, we we kind of need a furry avatar at this point, sure. and folding it into the mascot is a good way of doing it. But you know, again, the the guy in the baseball outfit should be able to channel the archetype of the mascot. The condition, of course, should be that he's the only person that can wear that suit. Yeah. And you can you can easily tie this whole concept in with like like old old ideas of um like ancient world magic where everyone's like dressed in the mystery cults dressed in the costumes and things like sure, that. Exactly. Easy, easy peasy. Good symbology. There's there is depth, I think. No, absolutely. Like, this, this is a very solid. I mean, this crosses the first threshold to me, which is like, yeah, this makes sense as an archetype for me. Yeah. You know, the, the, I think some of the channels need to be messed with a bit. I, I really don't know what I'd rather have for that top level channel. Maybe the one where you don't don't take damage um, as long as you're in the suit. That would actually make sense for the high level because yeah, that's when you yeah. are, you are the suit. You are yes. just you're just the suit. But you know, it, it makes sense. It's like okay, sure, you can't get shot and attacked, but more practically, it's like you can't break bones when you slip and fall during a fucking flip, right? You, you, you're gonna die if you take off the suit, so I guess you're gonna have to piss in it for the foreseeable future. If I took off that tiger head, would you die? <laughs> it wouldn't be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, uh, we only got a few of these left. Uh, next is Samuel Pinbone, which so all th- these follow ones. Uh, this is all melon, melon, melon. Uh, these are bonus submissions. So, killer first sentence on this one, which is, Tribal lending enterprises are a mechanism by which America's indigenous peoples chase the American dream of being protected by the law, but not subject to it. Hmm. It, I, I, I agree with the politics of this, of this of this entry. I think this is probably my favorite entry that Mellon did, because I like this guy, I enjoy playing him. Mm-hmm. I like the description of his appearance a lot. He's like bald as fuck, but has these long braids. <laughs> yes, uh, dangle uh, behind his head. Basically, this guy's deal is he is a uh, lone shark that operates on uh, native land. Well, more just like a general lender, because um, they claim immunity from state and federal lending laws, and that allows them to just charge ridiculous interest rates. But it's also because they can't like it's. They don't have very many ways of getting money. Like they can't run deficits, they can't print money, so they they're limited in their options. Uh, which makes sense um, that this sort of character would come along to like sort of fulfill that vacuum yeah. where there is a, yeah. a, a definite need, and the only way to fulfill that need is by some uh, dodgy dodgy operations. And, yeah, I think this is my favorite thing that Melon did for this. Uh, the main issue I really had was, like, I think the What You Hear section could use another entry or two specifically targeted towards, like, how do you get this guy involved in the occult underground? Mm. And there's the obvious thing, which is, I can't imagine the average charger has a very good credit rating. <laughs> no. But, you know, give something more specific and less obvious than that. I mean, there's something thematic about like that. I was like, some charges from town. Like, we can't get we can't get credit anywhere except the reservation from this one guy. That charges like 500 percent interest. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one, also by Melon, is Uncut Gems. 
Which, um, well done, Melm. Gross. <laughs> that's, that's always the thing. Yep. Yep. Basically, um, by piercing your foreskin and, like, pinning it to your lower abdomen, mm. you can uh, increase your dodge, fitness, pursuit, and struggle scores. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just enough. Just a little um, bit. It should be dependent on the length of your foreskin. That, yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, if you've got a full windsock, um, then it's a bit easier. So the the when I was reading it, there's this whole thing on like especially early on, whenever there's like you are aroused or in any sort of sexual situation, they need to make a rank three helplessness shock. Mm. And the first thing that came to mind was because c- this, this ritual doesn't just work for men or and cir- uncircumcised men at that. It uh, can work for women by pinning their labia, and it can work mm. for un- for circumcised men by uh, like gathering the skin and <laughs> yeah, gross. Yep. Uh, ouch. Yep. It it it's this is the this is the price you pay for this sort of magic. But, That's why but it's <laughs> my the question I was like, okay, you know, whenever you're aroused, there's a helplessness shock involved, and I just was like, okay, why can't that be resolved with a prostate or clitoral orgasm? Uh, well. I don't know. I mean, it's brought up in the what you hear, even. Uh, mm. It's where Melon drops the phrase prostate milkmaid. <laughs> That's true. Prostate milkmaid. <laughs> what an identity. What an identity. Really? Yep. The fist in our midst. <laughs> oh, this is, this is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. There's some of the mechanics... I, I, I love the theming of this. There's a lot of very fun what you hears. Some of the mechanics are kind of iffy. I don't see any reason why you couldn't stack this, for example. There's oh. no reason you couldn't just pin your foreskin more than once. I, I think it just works... Okay. In the write-up, there's no reason that you can't. Okay. okay it's not specifically enough. called out. Is it intended that they can do it more than once to stack bonuses? I don't think... No, that would be... I mean, well... I think it happens while you have it in place. Especially if they're already hardened on the right meters. And if stacking is the intended behavior, then it probably should have a low charge cost. I think you can do it if you have more... uh, More than one foreskin, or more than one uh, labia, instead of labia, then you can do it. I was kind of like, eh, the zero charge cost is iffy to me. I like it for you, no charge. Yeah, like it's it's well put, but yeah, if you're only upping like four scores by one, fuck it, fine, whatever. But the question remains: Can this stack or not? I think, and that really changes sort of the uh, the design intent of it. Yeah, sure. I don't think it meant it's meant to stack, but I think if you are willing to try, you are doing God's work. Epidermancer that just replaces his entire skin with foreskin. Yeah, why not? Looks like a human pug. <laughs> oh no, no! And it's all pinned. Yep. Oh god. This looks like a bunch of sheets that are drying. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, that's not good. An, an effective character, I guess. <laughs> Don't touch me there. I'm sensitive. Identity. Identity's epidermancer. All foreskin. All foreskin. No, four hundred skin. Four hundred skin. That's a good name. All right. And here we go. I, th- I think that's enough of that. 
but we have one more. Yes, The Midnight Screening, which is a short scenario about a public screening of a sort of anti-naked goddess tape. Yeah, so this this is, um, I think this was described in, uh, was it Lawyers, Guns, and Money where they mentioned this? The yeah, this is based off tape? some stuff in Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Like, there's lots of cool stuff in here. You know, it takes a cool hook and fleshes out in a fun way, but it runs into yep. the issue that I ran into with pretty much every other scenario that Mel submitted for this contest, which is, you know, the word count ain't enough. This is more like GM notes than mm. something that I could actually run. That's true. And there's so many fucking characters in it that it's like, all right, how the fuck am I supposed to run these people? Mm-hmm. Mm. I know the references to Melon's other work, but if you're going to do that, like, I don't know, fucking include links or something? Yeah. Perhaps. How am I supposed to run Looney Tsushima? How am I supposed to run Stella Hurtwater? What's Judge Borgo's deal? He's just like star- strong bad. All right. I like the I, I like the fact that you um that you're gonna deal with attacks from both like the Jewish gomaturges of Holocaust deniers and the Islamic agromancers of living Zafia Loka. Uh, that's makes sense in the context of a gang magazine on the dome in the dome of the rock, but they want some, I want some more details. Although See, I'm not big on especially for a scenario, I'm not big on the multiple choice sort of shit. Eh, maybe. Don't don't spend unnecessary words on like multiple choice elements of the scenario. It, it makes it less focused. Pick your favorite one of the options and just run with it. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, figure out which one's your favorite, run with it, make it more focused, and then use the other word count to flesh things out further. One of the other role-playing games I run a lot of is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of uh, common scenario format for that. Like uh, A few like very well-known adventures for that game are written in, mm-hmm. where they basically spend a bunch of pages listing off a dozen factions and NPCs with, like, all their agendas, mm-hmm. and then they go over their schedule for, like, a 24-hour period, right? Mm. This time, these people will be here, right? Mm. And then they give, like, basically no guidelines on what happens when players disrupt this. Mm. So it doesn't actually help the GM run the scenario. Well, it, because it's hard, because you don't like what the, the PCs are going to do. I mean, there, there's generally things you can narrow things down into, like, do they help them? Do they hinder them? Do they attack them? Yeah, maybe. But then it, it adds more and more when you think of more scenarios. No, I agree. Like, it can definitely snowball, but that's... I, I don't think it's a good way of structuring a scenario, to be honest. And mm. frankly, this scenario kind of reminds me of those, where it's like, there's all these fucking NPCs, here's what they're do- here's what they are currently doing. But then doesn't really give me any guidance for one how they respond when the players interact with them, or they don't give that much. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's a bit multi choice. It feels like notes. I mean, I've 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 run I've run games on less notes than this. So <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> I've run games off of like a fucking. I've run games off like four fucking sentences. Yeah, uh, and like this is definitely more fleshed out than that to clarify. But if I were to like put out that paragraph and be like, hey, here's my scenario, I'd feel like an ass. Yeah, but this is sort of, uh, I mean, it's made use of the word count. It's limited. The the 3,333 version of this. Well, we, the, these scenarios keep running into that same problem. Where it's like, well, they're, they're constrained by the word count, so they can't be as fleshed out as scenarios they should be. Well, then, you know, I, I, I don't care that much about the word count intrinsically. I, I think if, if the word cap is leading to worse content, then the word count should be changed. Maybe. Maybe. 
Oh, I could just do a different... The word cap is constraining design. Constraining ability to flesh out content properly. Then that word cap needs to be either moved up or removed entirely. Perhaps. Perhaps. But I, I get, the, I totally get the motivation behind it. Totally yeah. get the motivation behind it. But I think like the big issue is like when you institute a word cap and then say... Stats do not contribute to this. Then it just means people aren't going to bother. Mm. But I don't find I find it doing the mechanical write up of an NPC to be the easiest part. Personally, mm. uh, just, you know, kind of boring. It's boring, um, and it sometimes sometimes yeah. you get stuck on little bits. Um, sometimes I've found that like oh, sure. once you once you've like developed a character and you've gone through it, then you're like, ah, oh, now I have to do the well, goddamn. Well, when stats. I do that, <sighs> I just pull out the random generator and keep clicking until I find something I like. There you go. There you go. And I put one up again that works. Um, sort of. It's just identities there. I, I see what you mean. Um, I don't mind. Like, with the scenarios that were included in this jam, I, I could feel I feel I could run them. Uh, but I would have to add a lot of my own stuff off the top of my head. If that's the case, where it's not like I want to add my own stuff, but I'd have to add my own stuff, then I don't think that's a complete scenario. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's something rather than nothing, which I appreciate. Sure, sure. Like, my favorite is probably the cleaners. Mm. But that's also, um, like, it, that still feels constrained by the word count. Yeah, that's true. And for scenarios especially, I think that's something that kind of the expectation, at least my expectation is, all right, you're including stats for the important NPCs and shit. Mm. But th- th- that doesn't matter for the cleaners as much. What bothered me about the cleaners is more like, all right, you're, you're, their goal is to burn down this office building. How does that happen? You go into it a bit more on stuff in the office building they can interact with other than, like, the labor of zombies. I don't know. I think I feel that, like, yeah, if you start fleshing out a lot, you can, it can snowball. There's some scenarios out there that we've gone over that have too much information, so it's hard to find that middle ground. Yeah, but frankly, my view on this is that I'd rather have too much than not enough. Mm. But that's also just where my tastes lie. Yeah, fair enough. There's room for. This is, this is as, as product of a jam. I think it's fair enough. Absolutely. No, like, I'm really pleased with how this came out. There are none of these that I just outright did not like. Mm. None, of, none of them are boring. The worst Christian are just like, all right, I think this lacked some things that you really need to make it usable. Mm. That's fair. But every single thing I read here, at least a couple ideas came to mind as I was reading each of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. As inspiration, everyone that submitted this fucking nailed it. That's right. Very well done, guys. Yep. So, thank you to Melon Bed for running it, and a thank you to... Let's, yes. list, let's list them all. Thank you for Melon for running and organizing it. Uh, so, Traskomancer, Indigo, uh, Valiant, Thompson, uh, Ben, uh, Dustin Miland, uh, Kate C, Valiant again, Traskomancer again, uh, Cleomancer, uh, Christopheles, Dennis Kearney, uh, Cleomancer again, and Gato Grigio. All good stuff. And I hope we get another one next year. 